Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is June 26th, and on this day in history, in 1819, the bicycle was patented by W.K. Clarkson, Jr. On this day in 1844, John Tyler took Julia Gardiner, Gardiner, Gar-whatever, as his bride, thus becoming the first U.S. president to marry while in office. On this day in 1870, the first section of the boardwalk in Atlantic City, New Jersey was opened to the public. On this day in 1927, the Coney Island Cyclone roller coaster opened in New York. On this day in 1936, the first practical helicopter made its first flight. On this day, in 1945, the UN Charter was signed by 50 nations in San Francisco, California. On this day in 1959, CBS journalist and now very famous newsman Edward R. Murrow interviewed Lee Remnick. Lee Remnick. It was his 500th and final guest on Person to Person. On this day in 1963, U.S. President John F. Kennedy announced, Ich bin ein Berliner, which means I am a Berliner at the Berlin Wall, very famous. On this day in 1974, in Troy, Ohio, a Marsh supermarket installed the first barcode scanning equipment. In a product with a barcode was scanned for the first time. The product was Juicy Fruit Gum. Of course it was. On this day in 1979, Muhammad Ali, at 37 years old, announced that he was retiring as world heavyweight boxing champion. On this day in 1985, Wilbur Snap, a ballpark organist, was ejected for playing three blind mice during a baseball game. It was played following a call made by umpire Keith O'Connor, who apparently has skin as thick as Donald Trump's. On this day in 1997, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the Communications Decency Act of 1996. That made it illegal to distribute indecent material on the internet. Yeah, hello porn. On this day in 1997, J.K. Rowling's book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Slash Sorcerer's Stone was sold in the U.K. That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who are we kidding? Probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Stay tuned. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No, but it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, it's been a week. It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week. I feel like I say that every week because I feel like that's true every week. Before we get into what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear an item you would like to discuss or feel there's a tidbit that you could contribute to the show, by all means, feel free to call in. The call-in number is 718-928-9732. Again, that's 718-928-9RFB-9732. Or if you don't want to be heard on the air because you're a little bashful, no problem, you can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall, you can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. If you like what you hear tonight, well, a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that. Uh, If you feel so inclined, you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. And the last thing I'll tell you before we get on to the important cool stuff is that all episodes of The Next Best Thing are now available on iTunes as podcasts. Holy crap, that is huge news. It actually happened weeks ago, but every time I say it, I just get a little excited because it's huge. If you ever miss an episode of The Next Best Thing, which, come on, let's be honest, you miss most of them, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or check the podcast app on your iPhone. Just type in The Next Best Thing, click on our logo, which I trust you know, and there you will find literally all of the past episodes. You'll see the title, so you can pick and choose which ones pique your interest or which ones just simply sound the most bearable. Listen to those, and if you have a few minutes... Rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell an enemy. Do whatever you got to do to spread the word because the word of mouth is how we grow. Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, Happy Pride to everybody and everybody. Okay, here we go. John McEnroe recently said on NPR, when I think he was being interviewed about his newest book, he said that 
If Serena Williams played in the men's circuit, she would rank probably like 700th in the world. Now, I do think, he re- this was a very recently, he said this, about Serena Williams. I will be the first to say that I think this is a stupid, like, I don't know why he would have said this. I don't know where this came from. And honestly, when I first heard it, my initial reaction was, that's bullshit. I mean, she, first of all, I've met Serena Williams. And in per, like for as muscular and athletic and just ripped as she looks on television, she is a beast. She is a beast. I thought, I mean, she could have kicked my ass seven times to Sunday in every way, shape or form. And so, no, I don't think that she would be, I don't, I don't think that she would be 700th in the men's circuit. I think she'd be much higher than that. But when it comes to getting mad about him kind of demeaning a female athlete, I, again, I thought this was a dumb thing to say. I disagreed with it. I think it's, I I disagree with the principle and I disagree with the fact. I don't think she would be that bad. And I can see why people would be mad that he said this. However, it was a little hard for me to get too mad about it when I remembered seeing Serena Williams on David Letterman not too long ago. I mean, probably in 2013 or 14. And she basically said the same thing. Observe. Uh, Billie Jean King. Yes. Uh, yeah. What a tremendous athlete. She's incredible. What a great uh, social pioneer. Uh, and there was a guy named Bobby Riggs. Yes. Who was a tennis yes. player and a, and a hustler. True. He was always finding ways to make money and silly things. And he challenged Billie Jean King to a tennis match. To the battle of the sexes. Now, uh, as I recall, uh, this uh, battle of the, the sexes, yes. Billie Jean, my memory is that she crushed uh, yeah, she, Bobby Riggs. She beat him pretty good. Right. What would, what would happen if something like that uh, occurred today? Well, actually, it's funny because Andy Murray, he oh, he was been joking about um, myself and him playing a match. And I'm like, Andy, seriously, like, are you kidding me? Because for me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 and five to six minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Because it's, no, no, it's it, true. It's honestly, true. It's a completely... Really? It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit harder. It's just a different game. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. So, I was equally surprised to hear her say that. Maybe even more so because, again, when you meet her, she is. I met her at this, uh, it was like a charity event. It was like a stupid ping pong thing where I think they were raising money. It might have been for breast cancer. I don't mean to say it was a stupid, obviously, the cause is very important, but I just mean they were playing a very friendly, kind of fun game. And it was a bunch of athletes. You know, she was there playing ping pong against like Brett Gardner of the Yankees. I think there are a few Knicks, New York Knicks there. And they were all playing, and she was fiercely competitive. I mean, the fact that she's, I think, 34 or 35, still winning major tournaments is unbelievable. I mean, I remember watching Serena and Venus Williams win tennis tournaments when I was like in the third grade. Yes, they were brand new and young up-and-comers, but that was a long time ago. That was 20 years ago, maybe 21 years ago. No, 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 whatever. You get it. So the fact that she is still dominant is unbelievable. 
I was surprised to hear her say what she said, but she did say it. And so it does kind of make everyone, you know, all these articles, like I read about this in the Washington Post, and I know it's been written about in every major national newspaper. And it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, let's get up in arms about this. When she said that, you know, she said it. So I don't know. Are you mad at her for saying it? Because that would just be really stupid. Are you stupid? I hope you're not stupid, okay? Moving right along. If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear a topic you would like to discuss or feel you have a tidbit that you could contribute, please don't hesitate to call in. I would absolutely love it. It would make my day. How about you, Brandon? Would it make your day? I don't really care. Great! The number to call is 718-928-9RFB. Again, that's 718-928-9732. And you know what? Even if you just want to call in and say hello, or better yet, call in and say, You suck! Go ahead. It would be just as delightful. Now on with the show. Yes, 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 and a yes, yes, yes. Okay, you are listening to The Next Best Thing right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. All right, so last week I played a little teaser. Uh, You heard my conversation with Charles Bush, playwright, actor, screenwriter, movie star, drag legend, all that stuff. And it's been well received. Thank you very much for that. I don't know if I mentioned this, but last week The Next Best Thing slipped a little bit. We were not among the top five in podcast listens when it comes to the shows here on Radio Free Brooklyn, and I don't know how to say this, but that pissed me right the hell off. So we're back on the top again, not number one, which we should be, but we're back within the top five, so that's good. You can always listen to any former past episode of The Next Best Thing by checking us out via the Apple Store, Podcast Store, whatever, or TuneIn, Stitcher, all that crap. Okay, so... For tonight's main event, last week I played a little teaser of my interview with the one and only... Yep, he talks about sports on WFAN right here in New York City. Well, I only got to play a little bit of it because we ran out of time. And so, tonight, aren't you just so goddamn lucky? I'm going to play the rest of my interview, not, not just the rest of it, but all of it, from start to finish... My interview with the one and only John Jastrzemski. If you don't remember, John is the host of JJ After Dark on WFAN, the really flagship sports radio station here in New York City, and one of the most lauded and kind of pioneering sports radio stations in the whole country. It kind of was, I think it was the first nonstop 24-7 sports talk radio stations in the country, and it paved the way for everybody. And John now is a great host on the station and likely will be moving on up in their primetime schedule here soon. We talk a little bit about that and more in this one-on-one interview. I'm really thankful for JJ to JJ for having done this. I think I mentioned this last week, but it's worth repeating. I felt like I honestly could have talked to JJ for an hour and a half. I mean, he was so open, so nice, and it's funny because the reason... The way I presented this to him and asked him to do an interview was I said that, you know, on his show, he's got such a great rapport with the callers and the listeners, and he talks so freely and openly about anything and everything sports related. But 
we didn't really know much about him beyond that. You know, whenever anyone brought up anything other than sports, he would always make sure and get it right back on track. And so I thought maybe he might be a little uncomfortable talking about his, you know, upbringing and his goals for the future and all that stuff. But he wasn't at all, as you will see. Uh, The one thing I will say as a little disclaimer, and it's not about the interview itself. I think that's great and you'll love it. The only disclaimer I have is this was a pre-recorded interview over the phone. And those are difficult to do. There's not a lot of great, great, great software out there for those, especially when you're on a shoestring budget like we are. But we did our best. I did my best. And so if you hear a little glitches or whatnot in the audio quality, just know that it will resolve itself. All right. Thanks for understanding. Here is my interview with the great John Jastrzemski. Enjoy. All right, cool. Now, so you're from you're from Staten Island, as everyone knows. Do you know who Pete Davidson is? I know who Pete Davidson is. I don't know him personally. I think he is very funny, but no, I do not know him personally. I think he's a couple of years younger than me, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's yeah, because he's um, I think he's like 22, but he does talk about Staten Island quite a bit. And uh, here's a quick, very short sample of uh, his recent stand-up special where he talks about it just a little bit. You know how you know someone's from Staten Island? They let you know that they're from Staten Island. If you don't know what Staten Island is, it's like New York's abortion that lives. It's just shitty place. Nah, there's, like, there's good people everywhere, but like not in Staten Island at all. Yeah, like everybody could die in Staten Island and I, I wouldn't lose sleep over it at all. I'd be like, oh, I guess I gotta find a new Xanax dealer. Like, that's about it. His words, not mine. Obviously. Now, listen. Uh, it's I'm... cracking me up. It's cracking me up. Now, you know what, John? I'm gonna get right in now. I'm gonna get right in now. Go for it's it. like where else. Listen, I don't care where you live. If you're in Staten Island, if you're in Manhattan, if you're in Queens, if you're in the, in the Bronx, Brooklyn, uh, Kansas City, Miami, Anywhere across the United States, the world, period. There are good people. There are bad people. And some there, somewhat in between. I am very proud of where I'm from. I love Staten Island. There are a lot of good people who live here. Are there a lot of jerks? Yeah, there are a lot of jerks anywhere. Got to deal with it. Staten Island has taught me, maybe in radio, maybe in life, that there are going to be good and bad people. You got to deal with both. You got to find a way to rise above it. That's all there is to it. I'm very proud of where I'm from. Uh, some people, you know, not so much. Me, I love my food. I love my backyard. I love my golf courses. So, like, when people would ask me when I was away at school, where are you from? Some people from Staten Island would say, oh, I'm from the city. I'm from New York. No, 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 no. You're from Staten Island. That's all there is to it. Well, no, hey, you know I'm all about representing the hometown. And, well, and that's funny, though, because I do hear people like Pete Davidson say stuff like that, whether they're kidding or not. And I've noticed you you never refer to Staten Island in a derogatory tone. You're very, you know, you love it there, and it's obvious. What I just wonder what made your experience so much different and better than theirs. Um, it's home. You know, it's home. That's, that's just the bottom line. Uh, I grew up there. Um, I've lived in Staten Island with the exception of the four years that I've gone away to school. Um, I would say 
moving forward, I don't know where I'm going to live. Me and the lady at some point are going to move in together. I don't know where we're going to live. I, I've always wanted to live in like a city-like environment, but I would have no problem, you know, if I had kids later on in life and I was looking to start a family, I'd have no problem living there. Um, I, I just have a lot of great memories. High school was great to me. Um, neighborhood was great to me. The people of Staten Island, when I started um, at the radio station, have always been very, very supportive. So I have a lot of positive things. And I'm not just trying to be like a Staten Island public service announcement here. I'm just telling it like it is. There have been a lot of people on Staten Island that are very, very good to me. And the place as a whole has been very, very good to me. So it is what it is. No, I love it. I love it. All right. Your CBS radio profile says that WFAN was the soundtrack of your sports life growing up. Uh, who were your favorites to listen to? And when did you start to think, you know what? I could do that. That's a good one. Um, I-, I would say probably when I was around fifth or sixth grade, discovered FAN. When I maybe even a little younger than that, when I would go to sleep in my room, I didn't have a TV in my room, but I had a radio in my room. And this was at the time when I actually went to bed like a normal person. I went to bed at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I would fall asleep with 660 on the dial. And you would listen to the variety of personalities. You listen to different uh, shows and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Of course, as a kid, everybody wants to grow up and play for the Yankees. I mean, that's what everybody wants to do. I want to play center field. And you reach a point, maybe I was, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years old, where I was like, okay, this is not going to happen. There are a lot of guys who play baseball who are just way better than I am. So thinking about working in sports, having opinions, and doing that sort of thing always appealed to me. So I would say probably high school was when I was like, wow, this is something I really need to focus on. Getting into school, I need to go to a broadcasting program and whatnot. Um, as far as who I grew up listening to, I listen to everybody. As far as the guys who I like the most, um, Mike and a dog were the standard. And I think anybody who is in the business would tell you that they were the best. Um, they dominated the ratings. Anytime there was a big interview, a big story, you wanted to listen to them. Um, I was a big fan of Joe doing the overnights. I loved listening to Moose. I interned with Moose, Adam Shine, Bob with shoes and guys who like kind of launched their careers at FAN and didn't stay at FAN. Like shine is killing it all over the place. Uh, with shoes and now is the voice of the Jets. Those are guys I really enjoyed listening to. So I could name like five or ten others, but those guys just stick to my memory and whatnot. Do you still listen to Chris Mad Dog Russo much now that he's over at Sirius? I'm going to be honest with you, John. I don't. I am. It's for a guy that used to live, breathe, eat sports radio as a kid, as far as just listening. Now that I'm in the business, and I've noticed this more and more as I'm in the business more and more, I listen less and less and less. And I think a lot of it is due to the fact that I don't want to be influenced in any way when I come on the air. Like, for example, I'm on the air tonight at 10 o'clock. I am staying away from sports radio like the plague. I've not listened since I did a show, getting off the air Saturday and Sunday at 6 in the morning. That's it. Because I like to come in with my ideas, original ideas. And I understand a lot of the ideas and the topics are not going to be original. That's, that's just going to be the case. The, the Yankees, the Mets, the NBA draft, there's only so much you can do with the information. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel and give you some ludicrous, outrageous take for the sake of doing so. But I try to listen to as little as possible. I listen to an interview here or there. If somebody's on, like Girardi, 
or um, there's a big gas. And I'm like, God, I want to listen. I'll tune in. But now I try to stay away from the station as much as possible just because I want to come in unique, innovative, and go from there. Right, right. Um, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about your growing up. You played, you played baseball in high school, right? I did. And you're still on your CCR Royals, great name. And uh, you, have two, you have two sisters. They're also athletes. Now, are you the oldest? I am the oldest. That's correct. Okay. And uh, let's see here. Did they now, as your sisters who are athletes and I assume sports fans, do they ever get to listen to you on the air since it's usually so late at night? Yeah, every now and again. Uh, it's come to a point now in my family. I feel like I'm on so much. When I first started, it was like, oh, KT's on the air. Johnny's on the air. Now it's to a point, oh, he's on the air again. <laughs> Whatever. Eh, like, there's no thrill to it whatsoever, which I guess is a good thing for me. So it's not like I'm new and innovative and it's just getting started. It's kind of par for the course. But, no, do I have my sister or mom staying up at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, hour three, JJ after dark? No, I think again, John. Uh, let me say, they are much better athletes than I am. They are way better at soccer than I ever was at baseball, and that's why I wanted them to play collegiately. And my younger sister, who is going to be a junior in high school next September, I think she will probably play collegiately as well. Nice. I, re- I think I read somewhere, didn't you referee soccer games? I did. I did a little soccer. I had, here's the thing. I really don't like soccer that much. I was going to say, you never I mean, talk about it. Yeah, I, I can't stand it. It bores me. I, I don't find it interesting. Um, I didn't like playing it as a kid, but there was a chance for me to make some money. Um, what, when I was 13, 14, 15 years old? So I took a class. A couple of cute girls were in the class, so that was always enticing. Um, took the test, passed it, and I rep games while I was in high school. So it was good money. It was cash. It was off the books. So I'll take it. Nice. Uh, are your parents sports fans? Were there uh, many sport debates in the Jastrzemski house growing up? Well, it's funny. Um, my dad got me into it. But the thing with my dad is that he's not a loon in the way me and you are loons. My dad will watch Dead or a Giant game on Sunday. Um, he'll watch a Yankee game when he comes home from work. Is he watching 162 Yankee games like I am? No chance. Um, is he watching football for 11 straight hours on the couch on Sunday? He's not. He's more of a casual sports fan, but he got me into it. He got me in the backyard playing wiffle ball. He's the one that introduced me to the Yankees in 93 and 94. So I kind of owe a little bit of what I'm into now to my father. And happy Father's Day, Dad, by the way. I don't know if he's listening, but I figured I'd throw that out there. But to answer your question, nah, I feel like I am like the more crazy sports fan out of that of anybody who is into it in my family. Like, I'm the craziest by far. Well, let me just reassure you. Your dad's our number one fan, so I'm sure he's listening. Uh, but, hey, listen, when you – anyone who does know or listens to your show with any regularity can probably tell you that your four primary teams are Yankees, Knicks, your Syracuse Orange, and the Miami Dolphins. Now, can you quickly explain that last one? How can a, how can a born and bred New York City sports fan call the Dolphins his team? Uh, that's a good question. Um, look, the Dolphins, I grew up. The Jets were awful. I mean awful. I'm talking Rich Kotite, 1-15, laughingstock embarrassment. So there you had that. You also had the Giants, who were much more mediocre at this time. They're like an 8-9 win team, 6 win team. But they played the most boring, lifeless style of football. Dave Brown, Danny L, 
bunch of stiffs playing quarterback, long story short. So, I'm a kid. The Dolphins were excited. They had Dan Marino. They were throwing the ball over the place. They had this badass defense with Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas and Sam Madison. So, I was in. The Dolphins were on TV enough. Ace Ventura was a movie that was out. The uniforms were cool. So, you had a variety of different things, and that was that. I became a Miami Dolphins fan. That's funny. Did you now? I can kind of relate in the same way, in the sense that, like, growing up, I was a huge Bulls fan, almost exclusively because of Michael Jordan. But that also played into the fact that Kansas City didn't have an NBA team. Did you ever feel like you were? I don't want to say betraying the hometown teams, but you know, did you, I mean, like, I grew. Trust me, the Royals and Chiefs were terrible all of my life until two years ago. Yeah, I like the fact, though. I kind of like the fact that the Miami Dolphins have been so bad throughout my existence as a sports fan. Like, that is a beautiful thing to me. And, John, you can attest to this because you uh-huh. won the World Series in 2015 as a Royals fan. You made it in 2014. The Dolphins just making the playoffs last year was so much fun. Every week I was just giddy about it. That having that to myself, I have one buddy of mine who's a Dolphin fan, and it's, it's better than any other sports teams because I feel like it's all mine. Like, I don't have to share it with anybody. Like, I can kind of bask in the glory. And because they've, for as many years as they have, it just it puts a smile on my face. It's fantastic. It really is fantastic. So, John, I hope at one point before I'm dead and before I leave this earth, I'll get to see them in a Super Bowl. But – the fact that they're in the playoffs last year, I'd like to see that again. Just saying. I'd like to see it again. Uh, trust me, I know the feeling. When the Royals made the World Series in 2014, when they made the playoffs after that wild card game, it was like, it was truly hard for me to talk to people about it because it was like the idea of them doing well was so foreign and almost like I never even imagined it, to be honest with you. But, you know, good things, miracles do happen. Um, all right, you went to Syracuse, majored in public communications. Then it says that you spent a year sending out tapes in vain. Now, that happens a lot, especially nowadays, because jobs in radio are kind of becoming more scarce. Did you ever feel discouraged, but, or did you ever think, well, maybe I should have a backup plan? Oh, hell yeah, I was discouraged. It sucked. Uh, there's no other way around it. When I graduated from Syracuse, I don't want to say I was cocky. That's probably a bad word choice because I understood the job market, the radio market, the business, all that. That said, I felt like I was pretty good. Not to toot my own horn, but I was pretty confident. I felt like I was going to find a job. I didn't know where. I didn't know when. But I felt like I was going to find a job. Um, And I actually interviewed at a couple of places. I ended up getting positions. I interviewed up in Buffalo to be an update anchor. I was the finalist for the job, and I didn't end up getting it. Um, I was a finalist for a job in Salt Lake City. I can't even imagine now the idea wow. of living and working in Salt Lake City. I think that would have been a little too, uh, let's just say it would have been a little too intense having somebody like me in a nice, quiet, serene place, you know, peaceful place like Salt Lake City. So That'd be yeah, hilarious. I was doing that. And here's the thing, John, my student loans were a joke. Like I was dreading the idea of paying them back. So six months out of college, I didn't have a job. Um, for two or three months, I was working folding shirts and making announcements at the NBA store. And you want to talk about 
one of the worst experiences of my life going into that store. You know, you're working with a bunch of college kids. It's like, what the hell am I doing here? I got a college degree. Why the hell am I working in an NBA store? It sucked. I wish I could sugarcoat it in any way. People I worked with were really cool, but like that two or three months was just miserable. And this is probably a jerk thing to admit and to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like everybody wants to hear this. The store ended up closing. So I was there right around Christmas time, December, January, into February of 2011. And they were in this big, huge corner store on 52nd and 5th. And they downsized. They ended up moving to a smaller store. It wasn't going to open for another six or seven months. So when the store closed, there were a lot of people who worked there who were devastated. They, they didn't know what was going on. They couldn't believe it. And me, on the other hand, I'm like, thank God this experience is over. Get me the hell out of here. I've had enough. I've had enough. Now, thankfully, John, the minute I left, which was for about two and a half, three months, I got an opportunity down the Jersey Shore where I never had written articles before. I never had gotten into the print side of journalism in any way, but I was desperate and I wanted to work in sports. So I was working for a small newspaper, online uh, newspaper. It was a little bit of both um, covering high school baseball and basketball games. And I got to admit, John, unlike working at the NBA store, was a crap load of fun. Now I was making peanuts. I was making absolutely no money. That said, I, would, I had a pretty simple life. It was a fun life. I woke up, I'd get my workout in, I'd drive about 45, 50 miles, and these were the days I was actually listening to a lot of sports radio. So I'd listen to Dog, or I'd listen to Mike, or I'd listen to all sorts of music. Um, I'd cover a game for two hours. I'd go into a Starbucks. I'd get a coffee. I'd write my story. I'd file it on deadline, and I was enjoying life, even though I wasn't making a lot of money until, of course, I got my break at FAN. Right, and that came in 2011, and it was through the Fantasy Phenom, which is kind of like a, an American Idol type thing that they do every year. Um, you won that, and the big prize was a year-long stint on WFAN where you got, I think, two hours of airtime per week. Now, a number of Phenom winners, have kind of, I think, have kind of come and gone since then, but you stuck around. Now, am I right, or are there other winners who are still on the air? Well, Joe Giulio is still on the air, and he's doing an unbelievable job in Philadelphia. He works down at WIP, so it's fair to say he made the most of his opportunity. I I believe Greg Sussman, who won my predecessor year one, is doing some great stuff over at Sirius XM Radio. I believe he's doing, like, a fantasy channel and whatnot, um, but I believe he's still in the business doing okay for himself. Um, But, yeah, I'm still here five and a half years later. Uh, Still alive and kicking, John. Yeah, well, I... I think full thing, my fact, man. So let's yeah, make it. Fact, let's sign for another twenty. How about that? Another well, the fact forty. I kept, forty, yeah. Like if all the fact they kept you around, I think does say something. And the biggest name at WFAN, and someone I know who's been a bit of a mentor to you, and I think I don't know if he started it, but I know he was a judge for Fantasy Phenom. Is of course Mike Francesa. Now, if anyone's unfamiliar with Mike, here's a quick sample of him on the air. Listen, when you get back from Mars, call us, okay? You're losing me. I don't know what you're saying. You're a fan who's a fool. Hallelujah. Okay, big deal. Wait a second. What are you talking about? Excuse me? You get lost, you dope. You could not be more wrong. What are you, nuts? No. What do you mean, no? This was such a joke. Garbage. All right. Now, (laughs) Mike, I feel like the two of you 
couldn't be more different in terms of on-air style, demeanor, the way you interact with callers and whatnot. Uh, what, can you describe your relationship with Mike? And what would you say are maybe the most useful, critical things you've learned from him? And by the way, that when I play that, I mean I'm not, I'm not. I was trying like, hard oh. not to. I was, I was laughing pretty hard. I had to take my uh, laughter away I'm a, from the microphone. I'm a Francesca fan. I'm a Francesca fan. I am too. I am too. Listen, he is the gold standard of sports radio. That's all there is to it. Um, he's been doing it for 30 years, as he will tell you. He's made a fortune doing this, as he will tell you. But you know what? He's entitled to that self-confidence. If I made as much money as he did throughout his radio career, I would probably have the same sort of bravado as well. Now, yeah, you're right. We are very different people. He is very much more going to play the bad cop role. Now, listen, you've heard me, John, give callers the business every now and again when they're going to say some asinine things, and I feel like i got to put them in their place and, and take them to task. But the biggest advice, Mike anyone that I could give anyone when it comes to getting in this business, sports radio 101, be yourself. Seriously, that is the biggest piece of advice I could give you. You can try and model your craft. Of course, you listen to certain hosts you like, and you're going to pick up a thing or two here from each of them. That's just the way life works. It's like a great batter. You're going to maybe emulate your batting stance a little bit, based upon watching Derek Jeter or based upon watching Mike Trout or Bryce Harper, sure, but ultimately it's going to be your own. That's what I would say for anybody getting into the business. If you want to get into this, if you want to be successful, work hard, put the time in, but be yourself. And Mike told me that, and I've remembered that to this day, and he's always been very good to me. He's always been very good to me. I know he doesn't have the warm and fuzzy personality, and listen, He's not a warm and fuzzy personality, but as far as a guy who's been good to me in the business, he's absolutely been good to me in the business. I was going to ask, so then I guess that means he's not different off the air than what we hear on the air, kind of dry, no nonsense. No, same guy. Yeah, same guy. Now, listen, he's the same sort of guy that will hook you up in a Met game, that'll give you a legend seat to the Yankee game, and, and that stuff doesn't get reported. Nobody's going to mention it, but he's very charitable. He's always been very good to me and to some of the other guys who work at the radio station. But is he going to be a guy that's walking around in the newsroom and is going to engage you in a 20, 25-minute conversation? No, probably not. But everybody's different, John. That's just the way it is. Uh, everybody's going to have their own way about going about their business and going about life. And that's just the way it is. Um, not everybody's going to be me or you or Mike Francesa. So if you know that going in, I think you could get a lot out of what he brought to the table as a host and what he's meant to the station uh, as a career and whatnot. Definitely. Uh, all right. You have a lot of regulars who call into your show, Leslie, and a lot of characters, Leslie and Portland. A lot of characters. That is, that is completely accurate. Would you, would you consider yourself one of those characters? Well, I, here's the thing. I don't call in a whole lot, and there's a reason for that. It's because I know, and it's funny because this is something that's totally lost on some of the other callers, but I, as you know, am a huge Kansas City fan. I care about the Chiefs and the Royals, and that's what I know about and we will talk about. It. And I know that this is a, it's a local sports station. Not a lot of people are dying to hear about that. But, you know, I've called in. When they were doing really well, I was happy to call in. Oh, rightfully so. You have to give me the business every time I pick Toronto to beat your boys in a championship series. Come on now. I, I, I deserved it. Or I picked the Baltimore Orioles to beat you guys in a championship oh. series. But I did wise yeah. up, though, John. 
Did I not? In the World you Series did. against the New York Mets, I believe I issued you an on-air apology, and I told you your team was going to win the World Series, and I believe on that note, I was correct. Okay, now wait. Yes, you were. And I will say, and I said this when I did call in, I think it was before the series started, but after the championship series, you and I did make a little wager where if they won, because it wasn't just Toronto, you thought they were going to lose to Baltimore, you thought they were going to lose to the Astros, but that's a cool. You did come around. You know what? Hey, John, let me stop you right there. The Astros had you guys dead in the water. That was the series. In fact, that's when I should have known right then and there the Royals were winning it all. When you're down four runs in the eighth inning of an elimination game, that's over, bro. I thought you guys were dead and buried, and you came back and won that game. And that's all you need to know about those Royals teams over the last two years. You're right. You're right. And uh, hello. It's funny because that wild card game, down by, I think, four in the eighth. Was that wild card game not the most exciting baseball game you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> oh, I believe it. If you're a Royals fan, it absolutely was. Um, you know, there were a bunch that come to mind that game. Uh, I think a Game 7 of the World Series last year. Um, I think a Game 7, Yankees, Red Sox. There were a lot of great baseball games. The, the I can't forget about the Cardinals and the Rangers. That actually is probably the best baseball game I've ever seen. Game 6, Cardinals, Rangers. The ball hitting off Nelson Cruz's glove with two outs in the ninth inning. Like That was, that was phenomenal. But you're right. If you're a Royals fan, you'll remember where you were. Where you were for game wild card uh, 2014, Lester on the mound, coming back and winning that game, phenomenal. I, b- I believe it, Paul, phenomenal. Well, I had le- it's funny because I had been watching it with a boot grump, a bunch of people, but when they started, to, when he brought Jordano Ventura in, who was, an, was not a reliever, gave up home runs immediately, and we were losing, and we were going to lose, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. I left where I was, and I thought, I can't watch. So I was back in my apartment watching very sheepishly. But anyway, good story. See, well, that's the way I go about watching sports. I, and I've made the mistake, unfortunately, John, of going to, like, sports bars. Like, I went for the Final Four for Syracuse 2013. Not 2016. 2013, I went for the mm-hmm. game against Michigan. What a monumental mistake that was. Oh, Because <laughs> when a game is gut-wrenching and it's coming down to the wire and it's your team in a big game, you think I want to deal with some Johnny-come-latelys who watch maybe five games a year? It's like, come on, man. I know you're not as into it as I am. I can't take you seriously on this, you know? Uh, that's funny you bring that up. Because during that Toronto series, I was at a bar, which is something I, I don't usually do for this reason. But it was a Kansas City bar. And so there were a lot of Kansas City people there. And I, kept, I actually ran into a bunch of people I went to high school with. But there was this one oh, nice. guy there. Well, yeah, but there was this one guy there who I really wasn't friends with in high school and who, which is fine, you know, whatever. It was good to see everybody. Couldn't have cared less about the game. And it was, it was that game where it was, you know, J- Josh Donaldson's up, Wade Davis is pitching. I think we're up by like one run or something, two men on. It was a real nail-biter, and he wanted to talk to me and kept talking to me about anything but baseball. Oh, that's when, that's when you got to, you know, and I hate to be the guy. Usually I'm a nice guy. I'll admit that. I'm actually too nice. My girlfriend will sure. tell you that. Some of my friends will tell you that. I'm, I'm too nice. That said, that said, if I'm in that spot, I'm in a bar. Two runners on, ninth inning, one out. You know what I'm saying? I'm turning around. I'll be like, dude, please, give me a minute here. I'm trying to watch the damn game. I'm, come on. Can't have it, Johnny. Well, hello. And this is a, like, I don't know. I felt like if I really had to say that, 
at this moment, then this guy really needs to, I don't know. But anyway, that's just a personal story. Okay, a few quick more questions. In your early college days, I heard that you usually had a co-host. You were part of a duo. Was that? I was actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. Yeah, yeah. I was a part of a duo. I also was a part of a trio sports radio show. How about that? Really? Yes. Did you guys take did you guys a show? Take- oh, we, and that's what we were so proud of, John. So we're on, I used to do the double overtime on the NPR Syracuse station where they would let students call the games and they would let students also um, do a post-game show. So we did that and it was great. On doing shows from MSG, um, doing shows after tournament games. It was phenomenal. That station was much more established. So you knew you were going to get calls for the most part, unless you really stunk up the joint. If you were a bad host, then maybe you wouldn't get calls. But if you did a good job, you were going to get calls. That said, we were on a music station, and they had about six hours blocked off of sports programming. And I took over this show my sophomore year. So that would be 2008. The, the spring of 08, and took it over. One of my roommates who worked at ESPN, he's actually now in, uh, getting his master's. He's doing stuff uh, at UVA. But me and him and another guy really just put our heart and soul into the show. We were into it. It was general sports show, guests, uh, calls. There was a point, John, where we would get on a music station Anywhere from 14 to 16 calls a show over a two-hour span, which was unbelievable. Like, I can't I, – that, that's one of my more proud achievements in the business, even though there were no ratings and nobody really knew what was going on. That really made me proud that we had people into it, and that's when I knew I could do this. I can get people talking, get them interested, get them involved. And here we are, bro, and – uh I'm still in the business. I'm loving every minute of it and, you know, frustrated as ever just based upon, uh, you know, the way the business is. It's tough. It's a lot of work and it's a grind and you make a lot of sacrifices, but you love it. And if you love it, you're going to stay in it. I do think that's something that kind of makes, not makes you different, but comes through and is, I think, does make you different in the way, the way that you don't just take calls, but you... I mean, you know most of the callers. You in, you embrace and seem to like conversing with them. I know someone actually. I think we both know. You went to school with him, and he worked at a sports radio station in the Midwest for a while. He's great. I mean, he's really good on the air. He is very open about hating to take calls, and some radio guys just don't like to do it for one reason or another. But you never seem to shy away from it, right? Oh, I love it. I love it. And listen, I know who you're mentioning. Danny Parkin's a good friend of mine. He's a terrific guy. <laughs> He's a terrific right. host, um, and he's done very, very well for himself. He killed it in Kansas City in your market, and now yeah. I know he's working his dream job because right. he's forever, and he never hid this in any way. He's always wanted to work in Chicago. It's where he's from. It's home. So I get it. It's like me working in New York, John. It's the same deal. You're at home. You know, you feel comfortable. There's, there's just a familiarity with the people and the dynamics and all that sort of stuff, but I couldn't disagree with Danny more about his take with the call because I feed off their energy. Yeah, they're going to be some dopes that call every now and again. But you're going to get calls who will also kind of feed some of your topics that are going to help you generate reaction. And I feed off that. For doing a four- or five-hour show, I 
I don't have a co-host. I, I'm not saying I let the callers co-host the show with me. They don't. Uh, I, I think you know full well who's in charge when I'm on the air, but I enjoy their dynamic. I think they bring a great dynamic to the show. I really do. And I would beg to differ when anybody says, oh, it's lazy radio, you know, it's this, it's that. I think that is completely false. Um, all right. I know we just have a few minutes, but I want to mention that Mark, I'm not Mark, Mike Francesca was talking to Mark Feinsands, I think, recently, and this was a couple weeks ago. But Mike, I was surprised to hear Mike bring up the Royals. I'll just play a few seconds of this clip real so you can kind of get the gist of what they were talking about. Let me start with the Royals for a second for this reason. I actually was stunned last night at how out of the game Kane was. He, I mean, his attitude was almost remarkably like he could be anywhere else than here. And it seemed maybe that's what's permeating that team right now. You know, Mike, I think you're 100% right. I talked to a few people. Now, I think you might be surprised to hear me say I don't. I, at the time, especially, I couldn't disagree with him. I didn't take offense or come to their defense, which is something you're very used to in terms of me doing. But uh, I was actually just surprised that they might even mention the Royals, to be honest. And I was even more well, surprised. Well, no, than... when they're doing a spot like that, I think they were in New York at the time, if I'm not mistaken. I could be Probably. wrong about that, Don. But I think they were in New York. And listen, national baseball topics are still going to carry on the season. Uh, you know, I know you say it's local but, and Yankees and Mets, but every now and again, if there's if there's a story like the Machado Boston thing or Harper and the Giants, it's going to carry for a day or two because sometimes with the local baseball story, there's not much that's going to change. Right, but you say you mentioned Harper and Machado who play for Washington and Baltimore. Well, those are let me because as you know, I chime in with my takes on Royal stuff all the time. But here's the difference between stuff like what Mike and Feinstein were saying and then something else. And this is the difference between the comments that do kind of set Casey fans off. Here's Chuck Todd and Jason Stark. This is a, a cultural issue, the culture of baseball. But there's so many great young stars now in their 20s, all those Cubs players. This is the time. Well, and it's major markets, too. We're not talking about the Royals anymore. No offense to my friends and kids. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Okay. That's going to hit home, isn't it, Johnny? That's going to hit home. I understand that, man. Can you you understand that? Because that's what really sets... Now, look, it's funny, because growing up in Kansas City and now having lived in New York for 10 years, I can tell you... All Kansas City people think East Coast bias to the extreme. And all New York people think Midwesterners are just way too hypersensitive. And the truth is, they're both right. I think they both exaggerate. I would agree with that. I think right. they are both right. That's very good. I would, I would totally agree. I think there are times where people, you know, blow it out of context what we're talking about. And I do national radio, so I can attest to this. Some people will hear me on national radio. They'll be like, oh, this Yankee, blah, blah, blah. All he's doing is breathing down on neck uh, Patriots or uh, you know, the Redskins or whatever. And I'm like, look, if they're topical, that's what I'm going to talk about here. Um, but there are times where people are going to poke fun at some Midwest uh, biases that are somewhat legitimate. The Yankees, when they're good, are going to get more attention than the Royals. The Dodgers, when they're good, are going to get more attention than the Royals. And that's completely accurate. I'm not going to deny that at all. Well, and the, Jason, like the comment you just heard with Chuck Todd and Jason Stark – that was, I mean, that was totally, uh, and you know, that came out of the blue, and it wasn't about who's good or bad. It was 
we just want certain teams to be good because they're more fun to talk about. And that's what sets, you know, I think Midwest, that's kind of what feeds that East coast bias thing. But, but the point of playing that is Chuck Todd, as you probably know, you know, is NBC news. He hosts meet the press. He's not a sports guy. Uh, Political guy. Yeah. Right. And Mike Francesa never shies away from talking about politics or current events. I've noticed that you never veer off into politics or current events or anything like that, even if callers might. Now, is this a conscious choice? And if so, what's the thinking behind that? Yes, very, very conscious choice. And I'm not going to lie to you, John. Of course, I have opinions and takes and my thoughts about what's going on in the world, whether it comes to uh, fighting terrorism, whether it comes to our election, whether it comes to our president. But I feel like the audience is tuning in to hear me talk about sports. That's what they want to hear me talk about. They don't view me as a political guy. I don't pretend to be a political guy. I don't watch MSNBC. I don't watch Fox News. I know what's going on. I am very mindful of what's going on. But I am not one of these guys that wants to come on the air and give my take for how to deal with Russia or for what the president should be doing. I I just don't feel qualified to do so. Um, It's not something I'm comfortable doing. So you will never hear me veering off, even after the election, get involved with politics. It's not something I want to do. I'll pass. Um, I'll leave that for a variety of other people to get involved with. But for me, it's something I am just not interested in. Is that, and is part of that because, is it, you said it's because you're not necessarily interested, you don't feel qualified, but is it also partly because you don't want to set off any rage fires with any certain factions of your... Yeah, listeners? that's. I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, listen, I have no problem debating sports topic. I really don't. I, I'm very comfortable with it. It's not going to make me feel uncomfortable in any way. And here's my thing when you talk politics, John. The world, and I'm sure you know this, is so divided on so many issues. And listen, maybe some of these issues we shouldn't be divided on. I think there's something to be said for that, clearly. But I don't want to be the guy to start talking politics. And I know for sure, the minute I do, half the audience, one way or the other, is going to hate my guts. They're going to have preconceived notions. They're going to think differently of me, the sports host. And I don't want that. That, that matters to me. Because unfortunately, the world is so divisive that if I start talking politics, you know this, John, there will be people who are fans of mine, who enjoy listening to me, who will be like, that guy, I don't like him. Are they right for doing so? No, absolutely not. But it is what it is. Yeah, understandable. Um, last two things. You said working at WSAN was always your dream job. Uh, I don't imagine you necessarily were dreaming of the overnights, though. Uh, Francesca's leaving after 30 years of being on the station. He's taken off at the end of the year. In January of 2016, the New York Daily News put you on their list of 11 possible replacements. Now, would that be the ultimate dream job, the fill in the 1 p.m. to 6.30 daily time slot? No question. But I think that goes for anybody who's in the business. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, there is there's not a chance in hell I will be hosting afternoons at WFAN. You could you could write that in stone if I'm wrong. John, I'll, be, I'll give you the first interview, my man. I'll give you the first interview if I'm telling you I'm doing the afternoon. <laughs> Um, coming up here. So I can guarantee that it's not going to happen. But, you know, there is going to be some change at the station. I'm hopeful that it will benefit me in some way, and we'll see what happens. That's, that's really all I can say. I want to be working as much as I can. I don't care what time I'm on. 
if I'm working five nights a week, I'm a happy camper. Period. End of story. That's what I'm rooting for. Well, look, I, you know, I talk a lot about the Royals. I'll stick up for them when I need to, but I don't actually make a lot of predictions unless I'm very confident. I'll make one here on the record. I think you know, whether you, yeah, whether you're hosting from one to six thirty, I think you'll have a more permanent spot on WFAN schedule soon. If not there, somewhere else for sure. It's on the record. Mark my words. It's going to happen very soon. Now, look, well, we're going to wrap up with a game. I play, I always end the interviews playing some kind of game real quick. I know you got to go, but you grew up in the 90s. I think we're the same age. So the game we're going to play is just uh, TV theme trivia. All right. And there's just five of them. All right. Let's see how you do. If you get three out of five, you've been a success. Here we go. Here's the first one. All right, perfect. Uh, that was delayed. All right, here's the second one. Uh, these are very easy. Here's the second one. I got to plead the fifth on this one, Johnny. I do not know this. I'm going to guess it's the Pokemon theme, but I really don't know. I thought, all right, I was another Nickelodeon, the classic, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Never got involved with that. Okay. Really? All right, so I'm one for two. Never, all right. yeah, it was never my thing. All right, here's one third. Oh, it's a classic. I almost want this to keep playing, man. That's a classic. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, didn't, I thought that might be tough. All right, these last two, if you don't get these last two, I'll be very... I'll be very disappointed. Here's the here's one. Actually, I'm going to play. Just to chime in here, that's something you should never say, ever, in an interview or otherwise, because you never know. It just might happen that, you know, this happens. Play this one because it's, it's just better. Do you not watch that show? This. No. Did what is not? it? I'm shocked. It's the Power Rangers. Really? I didn't, you know, go, go Power Rangers. See, if I would have heard the song. I well, yeah, I, could, I can't play the lyrics because that's the, all they say. Is. <laughs> yeah, I didn't recognize the crazy electric guitar riff, but I did would watch you, the Power Rangers. I am ashamed to say yeah, for a year or two I watched the Power Rangers. That is true. Would you, you would have gotten this one. By the time I grab a book and I give myself a look, I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus right oh this is this is tough jj oh what hold on hold on hold on i 90 show want to hear it one last time and give it to me one more time is this saved by the bell yes That was a close one. I needed to hear. I needed to hear it one more time. I was just, you know, making sure. I was making sure. But Don, I passed right. the test. You did pass the test. All right, JJ. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, yeah, I know you're going to do the golf game, but mark my words, that prediction stands. I hope so, brother. Listen, this was fun. You got to call now. All the best. Um, and uh, you know, 
Hopefully By the way, I don't, I don't think the Royals are dead in the water yet, just also on the record. No, they're not. Not in that division. Not with everybody the way they're playing. That said, Cleveland's the class of the Central. They will win. I bet you Cleveland wins by 6-7. Well, we'll see. I'm a little conflicted because, frankly, I like that they're not dead in the water yet, but I also have to think about the future, and our farm system is depleted. We could use some restocking, but we'll see what happens. All right, Johnny. Enjoy, bro. All the best. All right. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. All right. There it is. Finally, in its entirety, my interview with John Jastrzemski of WFAN. Now, I just want to explain something really quickly. I don't know what the hell was wrong with my microphone. As I said before the interview started, uh, recording phone conversations, surprisingly, is not as easy as you'd think. Uh, but that was, that was ridiculous. Uh, something must've been wrong with my laptop's mic because that every now and then obnoxious. Also, as you heard at the very end there, JJ was pressed for time a little bit. He was playing in a, I think a charity golf game that was starting, you know, we were right up against it. So towards the end of the interview, you could hear that he had to get out of his car because you could hear the wind. So I apologize for any of those obstructions, but you got the gist of it. You know, I have to say, JJ, one thing I was trying to, I had my questions written out and I actually had made, I wanted to make sure to kind of try and avoid talking about anything Royals related or telling personal stories on my end because A, that wasn't about me and B, I knew we were going to be pressed for time and I wanted to make sure I got everything in. But that's the thing about JJ is he is so conversational and he, it's like, it's like you're just talking to an old buddy. And so it's so easy to kind of share stories and share experiences. And I think that is, if any, if I had to put my finger on it, I think that's really what makes him unique, not just on sports radio, but at WFAN. He does know the callers. He does have a relationship with people. And it is just kind of like listening to an old buddy of yours. So my prediction does stand. I don't make predictions that often, but I do predict he will have a much more prominent spot on the WFAN schedule in the near future. And we really can't thank him enough for taking the time to do that we finally did make it happen so you can tweet at us we are at next best radio that's at next best radio go ahead and like us on facebook follow us on facebook a lot of stuff gets posted on our facebook page stuff that we talk about in any given episode usually goes up on our facebook page that's facebook.com slash nbt radio also if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall, you can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. You can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. And the last thing I'll tell you is that all episodes of The Next Best Thing are now available on iTunes as podcasts. Holy crap, that is huge news. It actually happened weeks ago, but every time I say it, I just get a little excited because it's huge. If you ever miss an episode of The Next Best Thing, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or check the podcast app on your iPhone. 
Just type in the next best thing, click on our logo, which I trust you know, and there you will find literally all of the past episodes. You'll see the title so you can pick and choose which ones pique your interest or which ones just simply sound the most bearable. Listen to those, and if you have a few minutes, rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell an enemy, do whatever you gotta do to spread the word because the word of mouth is how we grow.